We are, as a church, uh, going into October, and the theme for October is through it all. And so, as we kind of build up to the last Sunday of the month, it's our 50th anniversary uh, celebration, we want to just see how God has been with us through it all. It's been very interesting for me to learn about this church's history. I've been here for almost three years, but uh, this church has been here for 50 years. And there have been times when things have gone really well, the church has grown, the church has thrived, and then there's been times of struggle. But in all of these times, through it all, God has provided. So today I want to talk about worry. Worry is something I think that most of us, if not all of us, struggle with from time to time. Some of us are chronic worriers. All we do is worry. Now, if you've been coming to church or you've grown up a Christian family, you know that worry is not something that Christians should do. You know, don't worry. The Bible says over and over, do not fear. So we see that we are not to worry, but I think one of the reasons why many of us worry so much is that we know in our heads that we are supposed to trust God. We know that we are to believe what God says but our faith stays in our mind and our fear is always in the heart. No one ever says, you know what, I think I'm worried, right? Worry is something that just kind of sits in your soul. It's a fear. Fear is always something that originates from um, our, our hearts. And so to, my hope today is that not only we'll be able to learn head knowledge, how to overcome fear, but that God will work in our hearts that we will be able to believe what he has said, who he is from our hearts. Listen to some of these statistics about worry. And I find this very interesting. We get so wound up about many things. It says 40% of what we worry about never comes to pass. 30% of what we worry about has happened already and can't be changed. 10% of what we worry about relates to health which is kind of interesting because worry makes health worse. 8% of worry is legitimate, and even then, your worry won't change a thing. Okay? So now we just kind of like sat back a little bit, and we kind of see almost the ridiculousness of worrying. But today, we have a passage of Scripture today is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 32. And this is a passage of Scripture where Jesus says, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 32. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body for what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, 
which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need, or that you need them. So here, Jesus has just finished up speaking about storing up treasures in heaven. So that's what the therefore is for. We start these verses with therefore. So Jesus is referring to that we're not supposed to store up treasures uh, here on earth, but rather in heaven. So in a way, these two are connected. So what is worry? Worry is a state of fear or anxiety for the future or the unknown, particularly for possible negative outcome. There's two things about worry that kind of fascinate me. The first one is that worry is always uh, caught up in the potential problems or the possible problems. It might happen, therefore I have fear. And that's the thing that sometimes baffles me about, about worry in my own life or in other people's lives is how can we become so overcome by fear for something that may or may not happen? The second thing about worry is this. No one ever worries about something good happening. You know? No one ever wakes up in the morning and says, oh, I'm really worried I'm going to have a good day today. Right? No one ever, you know, when there's a uh, test at school, no one ever goes to school and is worried they're going to get 100%. They're worried that they're going to fail, right? And so worry is always preoccupied what could happen with no guarantees that it will happen. And the focus is almost always or always on the negative. Why do we as people seem to assume that if something is going to happen, it's going to be negative? So why do we assume that we're going to have a bad day? Why do we worry for a bad day? Shouldn't we just assume it's going to be an awesome rocking day like it was yesterday, right? So worry is an anxiety for the future, particularly what, um, what could happen negatively. So what causes worry? Worry is caused simply by a lack of trust. Jesus says in verse 30, he says, you of little faith. And so Jesus is scolding his disciples here. He's saying, you have little faith. And so at this lies the very foundation of what worry is. Worry is a lack of faith in what God will do in your life. Now, I think some of us that grew up maybe in a strict or shame-based Christian home, we look at this and we're like, we feel scolded. And we're like, oh, guess I didn't have enough faith, like, I'm such a horrible person. If I had more faith, I wouldn't worry. And, and we get so down on ourselves. But I think we should understand it more just from a fundamental level. Worry comes from a lack of faith. And so the, the foundation of this truth is very simple. If we want to overcome worry, we need to grow our faith. And we'll look later of how to do that. Secondly, we often have little faith because we have the wrong perspective. We see things as valuable that are not as valuable. Or we put our trust in things that are not meant to be trusted. 
or we see God the wrong way. We see who he is the wrong way. And because we do not have an accurate view of reality, we become worrisome. Another one is fatigue. Maybe you're uh, like, uh, like I am. I think most of you are pretty normal. You know, you lie in your bed and your spouse is asleep already and you start thinking about the day. And then as you think about the day, you think about tomorrow. And then the night kind of just rolls on and it just kind of builds on yourself and soon you, you went to bed at you know, 10.30 and soon it's 11.30 and you're just thinking about tomorrow and you start to really worry about what's going to happen. Like, you know, is everything at work going to work out? You know, the families, my parents coming next weekend, like how are these things all going to work out? 11.30 turns into 12.30 and you just become more and more worried. And this is because fatigue often brings worry. When we are tired, we don't always think like we would when we were not tired, right? And so it's important for us to take care of our own bodies so that we will not unnecessarily feel things that are not true. Another one is loneliness. I think loneliness often gives people too much time to think. And worry can often be a downward spiral where it starts with a little bit of anxiety but something that could happen and because there's no one there to encourage, no one to lift them up, it just becomes a spiral that just keeps going down and it becomes an anxiety, a worry about what could happen. Another thing is mental illness. And I know this is a topic that is a little painful to talk about. But the matter of fact is, when people struggle with mental illness, one of the biggest things that comes with that struggle is worry. And I have talked with people and they're like, I just don't know why I'm worrying about this. Like, it's not that big of a deal, but yet I feel this tremendous worry. Many times when people are mentally ill, worry is one of the outworkings of that. It's one of the symptoms and, um, and I just want to speak to you. If you're here and you're struggling with mental health, please reach out to somebody. Speak to your doctor. Come to speak to somebody at church so that someone can help you and maybe there's things that need to be overcome and you'll see the worry as a side effect of mental illness will dissipate. And lastly, one of the causes of worry is sin. Psalm uh, Psalms 32 verses 1 to 5 says this, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sins the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me, my strength was sapped as in my heat of the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So here, David is speaking of what happens in his life when he has a right relationship with God and when he fails to confess and be honest before God about who he really is. Too many of us like to play games with God. And what I mean with this is we like to pretend before God in our prayers that everything's okay. And we like to keep certain sins 
separate. We're like, we're not going to talk about that. That's going to, you know, that's going to be my secret. And, and we keep it from God. David is saying, when I kept silent, when I did not maintain this right relationship with God, he says, my, my bones, they wasted away. There is a groaning inside of us or side of him. And this is what worry basically feels like. There's this ongoing worry. There's anxiety that I have to hide this and I'm really worried somebody's going to find out what I am really like. And we become so worried about, is it going to be exposed? Are going to be people going to be find out exactly what I've been doing? Will people be able to see my facade, the mask that I'm putting on? And so much energy goes into hiding the sin. And David is saying, when he came back, um, and he, he, he did not continue to cover up his sin, there was a relief for him. God forgave him his sin, and he came back um, to the Lord. Then Jesus continues, and he says, Do not worry about what you will eat and wear. In Jesus' time, I think they had a struggle for life that we do not understand. You know, we, we are worried about, like, Tim Hortons running out of coffee, right? Like, these first world problems. You know, we're, we're worried about, you know, like, having a few hours cut back on our jobs. And we have these sil- almost like silly worries that we have. But in Jesus' time, Jesus is actually a, um, addressing the most uh, important worries in a sense, People in Jesus' time really did have to struggle every day for their food. They really had to struggle every day for clean drinking water. And they had to every day see if the clothes they had been wearing for the last months or years still were sufficient to give them warmth and covering. And so for these people, this was an actual anxiety. This was at the core of their existence. So if they did not have food and water for that day... They might not make it. So Jesus is, in a sense, addressing the most important worry. So what does that say to us? If Jesus is addressing kind of the big worries, then the small worries obviously fall into that. Food, clothing, drinks, all those type of things for us, are almost more of a pleasure now than they have become a necessity. Hardly any of us worry if we're going to be able to eat. Most of us worry if we're going to like it, right? Not many of us are worried that we're going to have clothes. Many of us are worried that our clothes are going to look like they were made in the 80s, right? We worry about not getting pleasure out of these things. And so our worry has now become not if I'm going to have enough to eat, Our worry has become, am I going to be able to continue to get from these three things the pleasure that I have been getting? And our worry is about losing the pleasure we get from food and clothing. You know, I want to again just invite all of you to our Thanksgiving supper. And that's going to be fun. You know, eating together, good food, it's a pleasure for us. But I think in perspective... Most of our worries, if not, well, most of them, maybe not all of them, come from us being fearful of us losing our 
pleasures. Jesus kind of brings this back into perspective in the next part. He says, life is more than food. And to us, life is more than pleasure. Life is more of whether or not you're comfortable or not. What is most important? Matthew chapter 4, verses 4 says, Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What is most important is where our relationship is with God. In a sense, what Jesus is saying here, if it's not, you know, tied to your relationship with me, if it's not making your relationship with me better, don't worry about it. If the pleasures that you're worried about losing, they don't have anything to do with your spiritual walk with me, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Then Jesus used an example. He says, God takes care of the birds. So Jesus is not saying in these verses that because the birds don't, you know, toil and work, that we are now, you know, well, God's going to provide, so I'm just going to sit at home and, you know, play uh, PlayStation or Xbox and just sit around, get a nice lazy boy. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is addressing this continual anxiety of whether or not we're going to have the pleasures or the provisions that we need. He's not saying that we are not to work for them. He's saying that we're not supposed to worry about them. And we are not to worry because of God, our, because of how God sees us. Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 to 31 says this. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So, do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So what Jesus is saying here and tied together with Matthew 10 is this. God takes care of the sparrows. He loves you more than the sparrows, so it is very, very fair for us to assume that God will take care of us. And this is how we overcome worry. We trust in the goodness of God. We trust that God will take care of us because he wants the best for us. And then Jesus continues. He says, worry does not help us change anything. Verse 27 says, can anyone of you by worrying at a single hour to your life. The thing about worry is, worry cannot change the future, but it can steal our present. Worry won't change, just sitting in one spot won't change the future. Nothing's going to change if you worry about it. But what worry will do, and this is what Jesus is saying, is it's going to steal your present. The joy that you could have in this moment is stolen by something that you can't do anything about. I found a, a funny illustration. This illustration is about a man and in, in, uh, got married to this woman, and this woman had this ongoing anxiety that one day their house was going to get broken into, and everything that they would have would get stolen. And so almost every night she would, you know, talk about her anxiety about, you know, someone breaking into their house. And so 10 years pass, and uh, she's just finished talking about how, you know, she's scared somebody's going to break in again. Husband's like, I've heard this before. They go to sleep, and in the middle of the night, the husband is woken up, he looks over to his wife, and his wife is still sleeping. 
And he hears someone is downstairs. And he goes downstairs with a baseball bat and he sees this guy going through their fridge and uh, trying to stuff as much as he can into his bag. And he's realizing that they are getting robbed. And so he's like, stop right there. I'm quickly going to run upstairs, get my wife. She's been waiting 10 years to meet you. The wife who had been so very anxious that they were going to get robbed was sleeping in bed. When the thing that she was worried about actually happened, she could do nothing about it. And for 10 years, that stole her sleep. I think that is how many of us, we can't change anything by worrying. I also like what somebody said, worry is like sitting on a rocking chair. You go back and forth, but you don't go anywhere. So you're, you're anxious for one thing, and then it's like, oh, what about this? And you go over here, and you're back and forth, and you just like at the end of the day, you're so exhausted from going back and forth emotionally. You take a step back, and you objectively see that you have made no progress. That is what worry does. Worry does not give us anything tangible, no tangible um, change. So what does anxiety, what does worry do in our lives? Aaron McLaren, Ian McLaren says this. What does your anxiety do? It does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but it does empty today of its strengths. It does not make you escape the evil. It makes you unfit to cope with it when it comes. God gives us the power to bear all the sorrow of his making. But he does not guarantee to give us the strength to bear the burdens of our own making, such as worry induces. Worry steals our present while doing nothing for tomorrow. Worry can also make us paranoid. The story is told about a biblical scholar, and he was, uh, his name was Archbishop Trench. And... Uh, he was working in an area that had a lot of leprosy. And if you know anything about leprosy, leprosy, how it attacks your body is it, it kills the nerve endings in your body. And so what ends up happening is people lose uh, feeling in their feet, their legs, their limbs, um, and eventually it attacks their whole body. And he was so paranoid that he was going to contact, uh, contract leprosy that every morning he would pinch his leg to make sure he could still feel it. And so the morning he pinches his leg, yep, sure, he, he, can, he can feel his leg so he doesn't have leprosy yet. He goes to church and all of a sudden this paranoia about leprosy overcomes him again. And he reaches over, he pinches his leg and he can't feel anything. And he's like, oh, this ain't good. And he starts to like really freak out. And then he, he reaches over and he pinches again. And all of a sudden the lady beside him squirms like crazy and taps him on the shoulder and says, don't worry, that was my leg. Right? That is what worry does in our lives. We become so very paranoid about what happens in our own lives that we sometimes do not see how our worry is negatively affecting others around us. Moms, the worry that you have for your children is not only impacting you, but also your children. Foremans, supervisors at work, your worry about where the company's going to go is rubbing off on your employees. Worry is bad for us. Jesus says, furthermore, he says, we model the world's values when we worry. 
When we worry, we do not model the character of Christ, but we model the character of the world. So how do we then overcome worry? What do we do to overcome worry? We overcome worry, Jesus says, by seeking first God's kingdom. Verses 33 to 34 says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So the remedy for worry is trust in God. It is having a faith in what God will do and can do in us. So Jesus kind of gives us three points here that gives us the assurance that we do not have to worry. The first one, he says, is we seek God's righteousness. So how is this tied to worry? We often think of righteousness of just like holiness or purity or not doing the wrong things. But righteousness in in this context, seeking his kingdom and his righteousness is basically saying, get to know who God is. Draw close to God. When you draw close to God, you're going to see who he really is. You're going to see how powerful he is. You're going to see how he wants the best for you. You're going to see how in everything you do, he's there for you. And as you draw close to God, your worry will dissipate because you will see there is no cause for worry. God is there. You are not alone. Your future is in strong, powerful, capable hands. Draw near to God and your worry will dissipate. Seek first his kingdom. The thing about worry is we, we often, when we worry, we seek to change the thing that we are worried about. Jesus is saying this is not how you overcome worry. You overcome worry by taking your eyes of what you're worried about and putting your eyes on God. The temptation for us is to keep our eyes on our worry. But Jesus is teaching us here, put your eyes on me. Then Jesus promises, he says, everything will be added to you. God will provide us everything we need. And he's not saying here that he will give us everything we want, but we will have everything we need. And the reason is, and we see this in Luke chapter 10, or Luke chapter 11, verses 10 to 13, is that God wants the best for us. Luke chapter 11, verses 10 to 13 says this, For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And here is, I think, one of the most assuring things that can help us overcome worry. Did you know? Do you have it in your heart a trust, a knowing that God wants the best for you? God loves you. You are God's child. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, God wants to hear from you. 
And I think we sometimes have this picture of God. God is sitting in heaven in his, you know, holy rocking chair and he's on his phone. And we come to him with a request and he gives us this disgusted look like we're wasting his time. This is often our view of God and then we can kind of see why we would worry. Because we don't have a God that actively wants the best for us. But if we believe that God wants the best for us, we will have a trust, a faith that all these things will be added to us. Another thing that God will add to us is peace. The opposite of worry is peace. And peace only comes from experiencing the presence of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 says this, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In my introduction, I mentioned that I think many times the reason why we struggle with worry so much is we have an intellectual faith, but our worry is in our heart. The peace that comes from Christ does not only change what we think, it changes what we feel. It changes our soul. And this peace of God, it goes past just the understanding. It is a peace that sits in our hearts. And this peace is only experienced through a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And this relationship... This grace that we receive through Christ is available to us at all time. God's grace is not like a flu shot. God's grace is for us every single morning. I love what Lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 to 23 says. It says, Because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. They are new every morning. And those huge obstacles in our lives, those things that we worry about, they seem to be there every morning. They're just that thing that will not move. But you know what else doesn't move that is there every day? God's compassionate love and grace. It's not going anywhere. And it is in that that Jesus calls us to put our eyes rather than on that we worry. So in conclusion, I just want to read for us Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. And this is Jesus speaking to us. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In our context today, we could say, come to me, all who are anxious and worried, and I will give you rest. So you see, somebody that is worried lives in this constant, burdened, weary, tired state. Worry really, really tires us out. We become so exhausted, not only worrying about what we will do now and, and trying to live this life, and life is, has its own way of throwing it, um, all kinds of curveballs at us, but if we are still trying to change our future with worry and we're so worried, it becomes this heavy, heavy load. Jesus is saying here, come to me. Come to me with your worry. 
Come to me with your anxiety. Come to me with your burdens. I will give you rest. And here's the thing. How will God give us rest? How will Jesus give us rest? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus' solution to worry is not simply to believe harder. Jesus says, I'm right here. Come to me. We're going to do this together. We're going to carry this load together. You need not worry because I am carrying this load with you. That's what a yoke is. And a yoke is um, a thing that held two cattle together so that they could work together to pull a load. And Jesus is saying to us, you don't have to carry your worry and your anxiety by yourself. Come to me. I want to carry that for you. And what is his load like? He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus' life for you, for me, for us, is not meant to be a heavy load. It is not a life that is supposed to be characterized by worry, by dread, by anxiety. But his yoke is light. We are to live in peace. And as we consider what God may have in store for this church, as we go through this series through it all, we might be tempted to worry about what God will do in this church in the future or where this church will end up. Where will this church be in 50 years? But one thing we can know, God was faithful. God provided what we needed as a church in the last 50 years. And because of what he has done for us in the past, we can be sure because of the promise he has given to us, he will be with us in the future. We need not worry. God provides. As we go into prayer, I just ask the team to come up. If you are here today and you're struggling with worry, and if you are struggling with anxiety, I would invite you, if you want or need prayer, we invite you to come to the front. There are a few people here that would love to pray with you. Um, And uh, also, if you are... Uh, struggling with something, we would just again invite you, feel free to contact the church so that we can continue to pray for you. Those of you that have emailed requests to us, we get those and we pray for you. You are not alone in your worry. You are not alone in your anxiety. Christ is there for you and there are many Christ followers that want to help you as well. Let's close in prayer. Jesus Christ, thank you so much for your promise in these uh, last verses here. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. God, we want to trust you. And though at times our lives seem so dark and it seems so hard to trust you, God, I pray that in our relationships with you that you will just assure us as your children, the children that you want the best for, that you are with us. Help us to overcome our worry as you fill us with your peace. I pray for us as we uh, go into our weeks. I pray what you are doing in us on Sunday mornings will change the way we live uh, through the week. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.